Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. Today's TMC Connect web broadcast is entitled Cybersecurity Considerations for Remote Staff. And it is led by a tag team from our partners at MQMR. Uh, provide solutions for our members related to compliance, internal audit, quality control, vendor management. Uh, and that's just to name a few areas of their expertise. So for today's discussion, we have on the line Michael Barone, Executive Director of Compliance with MQMR, uh, where Michael oversees compliance and regular guidance for MQMR clients. And also leading today's discussion is Kyle Lerner, Chief Technology Officer with MQMR. And Kyle brings to the table more than 10 years of professional IT experience. So extremely grateful to both Michael and Kyle for taking the time out of their busy schedules to uh, Hope lead this discussion for the benefit of our members here at TMC. Uh, you know, for the discussion today, some topics that we're going to be covering include uh, secure remote access to data, uh, supplying and provisioning workstations in a remote environment, uh, dedicated workspace to ensure productivity in remote environments, uh, update around kind of policies and procedures, as well as, as, well as just general awareness items. Uh, so without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Michael Barone, who will kick things off and kind of level set the discussion for today. Michael, good afternoon to you, and the floor is yours. Thank you. Thank you very much. Hello, everybody, and good afternoon. Hope everyone is doing uh, as good as possible, given the environment and that you are keeping yourself, your co-employees, and your family safe and out of the way of danger. Um, all right, so we're going to speak today about um, some of the considerations um, and related to cybersecurity that everyone should keep in mind uh, when staff is working remotely. Um, these, it's more prevalent now, obviously, a lot of people are working from home, but even when things are normal, going back six months, we still in our industry have people working from home. So these items were and are still relevant and will be once this pandemic's over, but um, they certainly are highlighted now when you have, you know, some people have all their staff home, 90% of their staff home, um, so there's certainly a lot going on in the industry right now. There's a lot of things which have been affected very quickly. Um, cybersecurity is one of them, um, but certainly not the only thing. And the main thing here is not to let your guard down. I'm going to just talk about, you know, just an overall summary and then turn it over to Kyle and then I'll come back at the end. Uh, Kyle is more dedicated to IT and an IT expert. Um, I really based my life and compliance. Um, so he's more in the weeds with the specific IT um, items that must be done. Um, but really, you can't let your guard down just because people are working from home. There's a lot of effort that goes into making sure information is secure in the workplace uh, by lenders because of the type of information that lenders take in, and you can't let your guard down when people are working from home. There's many considerations that we're going to bring up here today. It doesn't mean you have to do them all, but I think they're all worthy of discussion. You know, regulators and everyone in the industry is always talking about assessing risk, right, determining risk. So I think everything that's mentioned today should be discussed around the table. It doesn't mean you're going to go in those directions. There are costs involved with it. There's a lot of different business considerations that go into all the choices when, you, when you're choosing um, how you're going to protect yourself, how you're going to protect the information, how you're going to protect yourself from a breach, so on and so forth. And there's a lot of ways to get to that finish line. But all of these things should be considered and, again, assessed when you're determining the risk of your company. Um, 
real quickly, you take a lot of things for granted in the office. You have shredder bins, you have firewalls, your doors lock, you have eyes and ears. Somebody might tell you if someone throws a 1003 in the garbage, that might not happen at home, right? The husband of, or the wife of whoever is home working is not going to call you and say, look, there's 1003s in the garbage and everything else. So you lose a lot of your inherent protections and you have to make up for that. You know, everything we're talking about here is about safeguarding data, right? So many ways to do it. Uh, Kyle's going to talk about VPN and multi-factor authentication. Um, and there's a lot more there. So there's just a lot there to think about and to do if you really want to safeguard consumer information. One of my favorite lines is it's all good until it's not. And it's so true in this industry. You can do, oh, I've been involved for 10 years. I never had a cybersecurity problem. Or I've been doing this advertising for 10 years. I never got an issue. Well, one day you get a letter from the CFPB that your advertising stinks or is non-compliant. Or one day you get a letter from an attorney that they believe that someone hacked your account. And everything was great for 10 years. And you know what? All of a sudden, it's not. So the idea is, is to get a hold of everything before that not comes. Just because you haven't had a problem doesn't mean all is good, because all is good until it's not when a letter comes one day or you have a breach, uh, and then all of a sudden you're like, eh, I should have done something. All right, with that, I'm going to turn it over to Kyle, and I'll be back to talk about some things uh, on the tail end. Kyle, all yours. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Kyle here. Uh, I think that the general goal here is to set uh, guidelines as to how to successfully and securely have a remote workforce uh, during these times. Um, and, and the first couple items we're going to discuss is how to securely access your company data uh, with a remote workforce. And what I'd like to start with is uh, cloud-based data repositories. Uh, there are a lot of uh, uh, cloud-based data repositories out there. I'm sure you've heard of OneDrive, maybe Citrix ShareFile, Dropbox, uh, and making sure that these um, vendors comply with SOC 1 uh, compliance is very important. Um, when you have employees working from home, working from these data repositories, uh, you can have the data replicate to your on-site servers uh, at your uh, physical uh, workplace location. You're going to want to make sure that when employees are editing those files and manipulating that data, that that's happening in an environment that is SOC 1 compliant, SSAE 16 compliant. There are a number of ways to uh, deploy a remote workforce. I'm going to go over a few of those ways. Uh, the most secure would be a virtual desktop infrastructure. Uh, some vendors that offer that would be Amazon Web Services, which is SOC 1 compliant, along with Citrix offers uh, virtual desktops in the cloud. And what this provides to your remote workforce is a complete virtual desktop uh, in the cloud with uh, your own suite of software that completely separates itself from the computer they're using at home. So they remote to a computer that your IT department deploys uh, with software already installed and access to those uh, aforementioned data repositories um, with full control uh, to those virtual desktops. Um, Amazon Web Services has one called Workspaces, and Citrix has several virtual desktop environment offerings uh, that have encryption at rest and in transit. Um, and they also allow your IT department to limit uh, what resources they have access to, and it tends to be very, uh, very forgiving with internet connections at home that aren't very uh, fast, uh, which in this type of environment, uh, it's hard to tell uh, what internet connection uh, connectivity issues you may run into with a workforce uh, separated all over the place. 
So virtual desktop infrastructure tends to be the most secure and the number one uh, way to deploy a remote workforce with full control um, to your employees. Second would be remote desktop over virtual private networking, uh, RDP over VPN. And it's very important to make sure that when you deploy a, a VPN uh, to your internal network that you do so with high-level encryption, 256-bit or above. Uh, the one I would recommend most would be L2TP, that is with 256-bit encryption and with individual credentials for your uh, remote workforce to log into the network securely. You're going to want to make sure that your IT staff uh, deploys this correctly. Uh, that way, when your remote workforce connects to your uh, internal network over virtual private networking, they can connect to their desktop at the office with that encryption, and it uh, prevents any sniffing between their work uh, computer and their home setup. And of course, it goes without saying that you should make sure that any deployed assets that go to your remote workforce and, of course, their uh, assets in the office have enterprise-grade anti-malware installed. A few that I can uh, recommend uh, off the top of my head would be Trend Micro's offering, uh, Norton, McAfee, and Kaspersky, all of her enterprise-grade uh, grade, uh, uh, anti-malware solutions, and they all offer cloud-based anti-malware solutions that will allow your IT department to receive notifications in the event of a malware being installed on, the, uh, on any uh, company-supplied assets. Uh, via email or text message, and that keeps everything in line and, and ensures that your IT department still has somewhat control over the assets, even though they're not in your physical location. With that being said, there are a few guidelines that I would suggest with supplying and provisioning workstations that you do send with your remote workforce. It's important to have spare laptops, monitors, and docking stations on hand um, in the event of uh, what we're going through right now. It's also important to have spares even once those have been deployed. Monitors and laptops do break, docking stations go bad. It's important to have spare assets uh, for your remote assets just to have to ship uh, if needed in order to keep production going. And on those assets, you wanna make sure that encryption in transit and at rest is always practiced. Some native free uh, options that offer 256 bit or above as mentioned earlier, include Windows BitLocker, comes with all Windows computers running Windows Pro or above. Mac OS File Vault for any Macintosh deployed assets that comes with Macintosh. And Chrome OS encryption, which comes with all Chromebooks. If you do deploy the uh, cloud-based BDI infrastructure I mentioned earlier, it's very uh, good to know that you can um, deploy a Windows-based, Mac-based, or a Chrome-based asset to allow them to access those cloud computers and to have those assets encrypted uh, ahead of time. Another very important practice is to ensure that your remote workforce has no local admin rights on the computers that you deploy them. You do not want your remote workforce to have the ability to install software outside of your gatekeeping and to ensure that they do not accidentally install malware that appears to not be. Uh, we'll discuss phishing attempts later on that cover that a little bit more. To uh, standardize uh, the deployment of those assets, it, it, it's nice to have uh, an image set up ahead of time. So if uh, you're deploying hundreds of laptops to remote workforce, having the enterprise-grade malware solution, Microsoft Office, Chrome, and any other software that your uh, organization uses in uh, one single image, 
allows you to deploy that image to several hundred laptops or desktops at the same time and to update that image. So having a standardized image uh, in a time like this is very nice to have. It's also nice to have security patches installed on a timely schedule. Uh, along uh, with your uh, likely existing infrastructure, you have uh, Windows patches or Macintosh patches set to install at least once a month on Patch Tuesday. And you should have visibility to your remote assets to ensure that they do receive those patches. And uh, you should have the ability to make sure that those patches are successfully installed. And if they fail, your IT department should have the ability to uh, get an alert if a patch does not go through. You want to make sure in a time like this that your remote assets have all of the uh, manufactured supplies updates to protect them from any sort of uh, uh, malware or uh, loopholes when they're at home. And on that note, it's important to only deploy operating systems on remote assets that still receive security updates. <clears throat> Windows 7, uh, as of January of this year, no longer accepts uh, and receives official security updates from Microsoft. So I recommend deploying nothing other than Windows 10 Pro or above for any remote workforce asset being uh, deployed at this time to ensure that they receive their appropriate security patches. If you're working with Macintosh computers, I would recommend uh, Mac OS Mojave or above. That's 10.13 or above. It's also very important to make sure that if you have any workforce employee uh, at home, that if they're bringing their own device, uh, BYOD, bring your own device, that they do not have access to your company's data from that device uh, independently. Uh, a BYOD device should, uh, if being used, should uh, only provide access to their computer at work or in the cloud to access that company data. They should not be able to access that company data directly from their own device. Uh, if you're able to whitelist and blacklist certain IP addresses or assets from accessing certain company resources, uh, you should ensure to have that set up in place so that assets outside of your organization and control cannot access company data. This is one of my uh, favorite points to make uh, here about dedicating workspace for your remote workforce to ensure uh, productivity. It's very important to motivate your remote staff to have a dedicated spot at home to work at, uh, away from any distractions. Um, helps them separate home from work when they go uh, you know, from the kitchen to their work computer. It's nice to feel as if there is some sort of separation. Um, it's also very important to remind your staff members to take their, their breaks and drink lots of water. As I say, if you drink lots of water, you'll naturally take many breaks. Um, and as I mentioned, uh, you know, in addition to having that separate work space in your home to uh, separate work from home, it's, it's also nice to motivate your staff to you know, dress a little. Just because you're working from home doesn't mean you can't dress a little for your work time. It helps uh, create that type of separation. And uh, video conferencing is very big right now. Um, it, it's, uh, it's hard to gauge how well the quality of video conferencing with many participants at the same time can go when you don't have control over the various internet connections that all end users will, uh, will have. Um, so if bandwidth allows and the internet connections are good enough for your remote workforce in their own homes, I do encourage video conferencing. It gives that face-to-face -face interaction that we currently do not have, and it does assist further in separating work 
from home. Um, but of course, uh, that's that's uh, only if bandwidth allows. Another uh, saying I like to say to anyone working from home is lock before walk. I also say this to anyone just working in general, even in the office. If you're going to walk away from your computer, a quick shortcut to lock your computer so it's password protected again right away on a Windows computer is to hold the Windows key and then the L key as in lock, and the computer will immediately lock itself and present the need for a password before it can be opened again. Uh, you, you don't want uh, any children or prying eyes uh, looking at any NPI, non-public information, or PII, personal identifiable information, on a computer that's left alone. On an Apple uh, computer, on a Macintosh, you can do the same thing by pressing the Apple logo in the upper left-hand corner and clicking lock, and that will lock the computer uh, until the password is re-entered. This also poses a great opportunity <clears throat> to upload policies and procedures. Uh, we are now uh, acting uh, uh, in, a, in a current risk that a lot of us plan for, um, but now that we are in the scenario, it's very important to note things that work and do not work within your organization uh, during this pandemic. Make sure that you uh, ask your IT staff and anyone who updates your policies and procedures to note what works and what doesn't. Um, so if this were to happen again, uh, you guys have a more uh, streamlined process. Uh, in addition, your risk suite and business continuity disaster recovery plan should include these types of pandemics, what has worked, what hasn't worked, and uh, what can be done uh, again. <clears throat> in addition to that, you should update your remote access and accessible, acceptable usage policies. Uh, if you do not have them, now is a great time to, to create them. They're very important protects the company. It also sets a, a precedent to your remote workforce as to what's acceptable uh, when working from home and what type of uh, data manipulation is acceptable on the computer supplied to them by their uh, employer. Um, so make sure that you update those and or create them and have all employees sign them. And that brings us to general awareness when it comes to cybersecurity. Um, uh, I strongly can uh, I strongly recommend uh, subscribing to a phishing awareness offering. Uh, there are many vendors out there that do supply this, and they aren't very expensive. A few that I recommend uh, include Know Before, Fish Me, and Fish Rod. And what these vendors offer is the ability for uh, you, your IT staff, or yourself to send fake phishing emails to your staff that look very legitimate, but they are not, and try to pry information out of them. And if they were to click on certain links. That, uh, that are false positive, you will receive a notification saying that this employee has, uh, you know, been tricked. They did click on the email that you sent, um, although it's not legitimate. And you can uh, uh, give them some training courses as to what to look out for in the future. Uh, times like these, there are a lot of uh, different uh, phishing attempts going out right now, especially related to uh, COVID-19 and celebrity deaths. Uh, and it's very important to stay vigilant and to uh, remind yourself of uh, your staff to be careful. And these phishing awareness offerings uh, help very much in uh, preventing that and educate, uh, educating on that. It's also important to keep your uh, IT staff in constant communication with your remote workforce during this time. Remind them what is, uh, what's, what's going on out there uh, to, to keep them vigilant. <clears throat> and it's also very important for them to be reminded to use their work computers that you will be supplying them when they're working from home uh, only for work and their personal computers only for personal use. 
to avoid any uh, cross-contamination of uh, personal data on a work asset and PII on a personal asset. All right, thanks, Kyle. Um, this is Mike Barona. This is very good, very technical, but very good and good ideas. So the next few slides go in a little different direction. Next few slides come from uh, state guidance or, or state emergency orders. Many states um, have emergency orders in effect where they allowed workforce to work remotely, where they would ordinarily have to work at a licensed location, right? Such as loan officers, possibly underwriters, depending on the state and so forth. So they allowed them to work from home, but each state um, put in their guidance different rules or uh, things they want you to follow if you do have your staff working from home. Uh, and this is just an example of some, some of this is redundant with what Kyle said, so I'm gonna jump on to another couple issues in a, in a minute. But these are directly from guidance from the state. So the idea, I'm just gonna pick out a few of them, paper records um, not being taken off site, not being taken off a licensed location. They didn't want paper documents going home. Uh, they wanna make sure that you know the, the regulation allows you to conduct licensable activities at home. It doesn't allow you to do it in a library, uh, at Starbucks, although most of these places may be closed, or other places. It allows you to do it at home. All right, so just keeping, it's not allowing to do it remotely. Um, most of these specifically speak to where your residence, or either a home or a residence. So keep that in mind that it's not a license to just uh, practice and do licensable activities wherever you want. And where can you, yeah, well, they know, no. They're not out there looking right now, seeing where your employees are working at Starbucks or at home. But if you get a, a regulator, a snooty regulator or someone aggressive a year from now or six months from now, that starts talking to your LOs and ask them about when, where they were where they were conducting activities during the Corona days, and um, they start saying that they were doing it at a Starbucks or, or what have you. Um, you know, you could have an issue. So, you know, your employees should be aware of that, right? If you're even aware of it. So, if you once you become aware, tell your employees they may not know they can't take paper home to the extent they have paper that's not you know it's not electronic. They may not know that they can only work at home. Yeah, you have to communicate with them and and let them know, and that's all you know. part of safeguarding data. Um, they talked, uh, a lot of this guidance talked about VPNs, having a virtual private network, and making sure that all of that, the main office and, and sensitive systems are encrypted, uh, so on and so forth. So all the types of stuff that Kyle spoke about, um, all the computers and devices that leave the office have to have at-rest encryption as well. So these are, again, these are different states giving you different things. And then a, a few of them talked about the multi-factor authentications. They wanted to make sure that those are uh, the secure information was only accessed through multi-factor authentication. Again, making it more secure and harder to break through or unauthorized access. So um, those are some of the things that some of the states mentioned along the lines of what Kyle had said. So in some instances, it's a best practice and it's something that you really should do. And it's something sometimes your regulator is telling you that you need to do it or you have to do it or you better do it. So those are two different things. So, you know, be guided accordingly with that. Um, one issue that came to mind when Kyle was talking and it comes up with clients sometimes is, you know, I have clients that say, all right, I'm not going to give my employees a printer at home. All right. Which I don't want them to be printing material. I want them to be uh, working electronically. This way I don't need a shredder. There's nothing that's going to be laying around. Nobody's going to be, be snooping around and seeing it. If a, if a relative comes over or someone else, the cleaning service, no one's going to see this information. They don't want them printing. That's great. I think that's very good and logical, right? 
But you know what your employees are probably doing? They're probably sending the document to their AOL or Gmail account and printing it anyway, right? So now you have the same result that you were trying to avoid and you have a double whammy because now you have your sensitive information going through these, these uh, Mickey Mouse um, email exchanges where they're not protected as well as your own information. So you ha that's the type of thinking out of the box you have to do, right? Maybe it's not a good idea. Maybe the better idea is to get them a printer and get a shredder that they can put the stuff in and shred it. And this way they avoid AOL and Gmail, which are, which are just hackathons, right? Um, you know, they're just sitting there ready to be hacked. You know, you want your borrower's information going through that? Maybe you're better off getting them a printer, right? So those are the types of things you have to think about and you have to talk to your employees, right? You have to find out, do you really need to have a need for printing? Actually, they don't have a need for printing, but some people like to print. Some people have paper in front of them. They want the feel on their fingertips, whatever it may be. But that's just a type of example that every there's no playbook. We're in a, an age right now with this coronavirus where it's the Super Bowl and we're on a game winning drive and uh, you have no headset. You have no signals from your coach. You, you, you're winging it. Right. You have to. You have to to some extent. And that's the type of things you have to talk to your employees. Find out. Right. The worst to me, the worst thing is going through those AOL and Gmail accounts. And they're doing that to bypass the fact that they don't have a printer and can't print from your secure system. Right. You're really not getting anywhere. You're really going backwards. You're, 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 you're pushing a fat lady up the hill and she's going back down. Um, so that was just one thing that, that came to mind. Um, there are plenty of digital tools available that really help employee communication. Um, we're all at home. So MQMR, we're at home. You know, the lenders are at home. People are at home. It, it's, it's awkward. It's awkward to be working. All of a sudden, if you're single, if you don't have a family with you, you're alone at home, right? Employees like each other. Employees like to vent to each other, right? And seeing a, a, a um, having a Zoom meeting or some other type of meeting where you can see each other and you can interact, I think goes a long way. There's a lot of them out there. Um, you can remind them about these security things. You can remind them about things going on in the industry. Uh, I think that means a lot. And I think people are going in that way with these video conferences, but it means a lot, I think, to employees to, again, to, to have them, to have the camaraderie, for them to each vent off each other of how bored they are and so on and so forth. And I think that's a, a good idea. I've been invited to a bunch of clients who have had company-wide meetings, you know, on Zoom. And it, it's, I thought it was really effective and really boosted the spirits of the employees um, and, and got everyone on the same page. So, I really think that those are, are things that you really should be using and not just relying upon everyone to be doing their own thing at home. I think you have to make these days fun and give something for employees to look forward to. Um, some of them have been on, had some, you know, some, had some levity to it. Um, so just some ideas there that, that I've, I've seen that I think have been, have been helpful. Um, you should definitely be aware of, of some other things that are going on with regard to cybersecurity and the, the COVID-19 virus. Unquestionably, there are more wires going out right now. A lot of settlement agents aren't in, they can't write checks. The wires are going out for everything on a closing end. Um, and I think when you work from home, I think some of those ordinary protocols that go through, that you go through to try and protect against wire fraud may be fooled by the wayside. And that's a really dangerous recipe, more wires, less protocols. It's the single that no one is going to convince me otherwise, or at least before two weeks ago, that it wasn't the single greatest risk to mortgage lenders in the industry um, is, is wire fraud and what's going on and the creativity 
and the access they're getting through other parties, which in turn gives them access to the lenders, employees, and so on and so forth. And just be careful. There's more, again, more wires, less protocols is, is really a bad recipe. We all have enough problems in this day and age. We don't need to be chasing wires um, in a foreign country somewhere, um, you know, two weeks from now. So I, I think you have to be very, very careful there, um, given what's going on in our, in our, in our world right now. Um, there are a lot of COVID-19 scams going on. Um, I saw an article about the, I forget what the number was, but domain names that have Corona or COVID-19 in it are like gazillions uh, being formed every day. And a lot of them are being formed for scams. Um, and I think it's incumbent upon you to warn your employees as well, right? They could get this on company email. Uh, who knows what they get it on, but there's scams um, trying to get involved and, and tell them that they have a stimulus check for them. Tell them about new symptoms, um, all types of things. So you have to be careful. You know, Kyle talked about the dangers of someone infiltrating your your systems, and these are looking. These are ways that some of them are looking for money. Some of them are way, looking at people just to click on it so they can get in, right? So be very, very careful. There's there's a lot going on. I'm getting them a lot, and I'm hearing about them. Um, you know, some are obvious. You see spelling errors or something, or they call me. Uh, you know, a full name where, it's, you know, you don't really, this person would never call me by a full name or what have you, but just be careful. It's, it's, it's scary. And it's, you know, anytime that something comes up, the, the crazies and the fraudsters, they find ways to get very creative. And this particular virus is allowing them to do that. So, you know, wire fraud sort of hitches along with this and, and with the, um, with all these scams that usually are, are, run out there through technology, through email, through text, or what have you, just, you know, it's, it's incumbent, I think, for you to be very careful and to warn um, your, uh, your employees. Um, just looking at my notes and see if I had any other things. The last thing I really want to talk about are policies. Kyle went through, it's a good time to look at your policies and, and update them and so forth for acceptable use and confidentiality and device security, you know, all that type of stuff. It's great, but, you know, throwing this stuff in a policy and throwing it on your intranet is as good as not having a policy as, as, as you know, as, as concerns the employees from my point of view. You know, your, your security policies could be 50, 60, 70, 80 pages if you have a bunch of policies. I mean, you could have an acceptable use policy an incident response plan, a business continuity plan, a disaster recovery plan, right? a privacy policy, confidentiality policy, IT security policy, bring your own device policy. I mean, these go on and on and on, remote access policy. There, those are, it could be 100 pages when you add them all up. No employees, especially sales, is sitting there reading all of them. They're just not. So how do you get that out to them? How do you get out to them, those major ones? You're not going to sit there and read them all 100 pages. But how do you sit there and pick out those six or seven bullet points and get them out to your, your staff, those really important ones, right? You need to do that. You need to do it by training. You need to do it by emails. You need to do it on, on a video call, whatever you need to do. Don't just having the policies make that a check the box item that you throw them on your, on your extranet and you're, and you're done, right? Oh, I'll, I'll print them out when the regulator comes. That's checking a box. I mean, it, it, IT is to protect you, right? You are the mother load to the, to the black market. That 1003. The, the infiltrating a lender's system is is the lottery. That's millions of dollars to these guys, right? So they're trying, right? And again, yeah, it's all good until it's not, right? So one day you have an incident problem. And because 
because an employee opened what he thought was an email from FedEx telling them their package was here, right? You have to educate them. You need to. We wire fraud. You need to educate your borrowers. You need to educate people. And that's not done by just putting a policy together and throwing it up on your extranet where the management knows about it or IT knows about it. And maybe the employees know you have one, but I've never really digested the information that's in there. And a lot of it may not be for the employees. Like a lot of it might be what you're going to do on a disaster happens. Very little of that might affect an employee or to recover systems that are down. Very little of that may be for your employees, right? But there are things in your, in your IT policies that are very important and things they can't do because they put everybody at danger. You know, a, 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 day, a data breach can bring down a company. I can give you examples, right? We all know examples. And the reputational risk is enormous, right? We all know who's been through these breaches, right? We all know all the companies that have been through these breaches. So you don't want to be one of them. So I would take Kyle's advice and look at these things. They have to come up at the table, the discussion table. Maybe you decide not to do it. Maybe you decide to do it. But if these things aren't coming up, you're doing a disservice to your entire um, you know, organization. All right, with that, I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn it back over to Tom. Uh, perhaps we'll get a couple of questions. And uh, thank you very much. Actually, Tom, if you don't mind giving me just one more moment, uh, Kyle here, a few more uh, items on my notes that I, I had not quite mentioned yet that I would like to to mention. Uh, you know, I, I briefly spoke about video conferencing and bandwidth limits, uh, very popular right now, having these multi-stream video conferences. Uh, if you do have uh, that remote workforce uh, that was not remotely working before, you know, I, I recommend that they always be connected to a hardwired Ethernet connection. Make sure that their computers are connected directly into their router or modem at home. It does help with the latency issues that do arise with video conferencing. And if your employees have no option but to work off of a Wi-Fi connection, ensure that they're using proper uh, you know, Wi-Fi uh, encryption standards like WPA2 and to make sure that they're using their 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi networks, not their 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi networks at home. Very common misconception. Uh, and Mr. Barone brought up a good point about employees having the ability possibly to send uh, PII emails from their work email address to their personal email address. A lot of uh, top tier uh, email services like Office 365 and G Suite, uh, if set up correctly, can prevent any emails going outbound from including social security numbers or um, uh, personal identifiable information. And that kind of helps in that regard. Um, and another thing that Mr. Brown brought up about uh, being super vigilant about phishing awareness, uh, if you're allowing your employees to use their own devices at home to connect to their computers at work, phishing attempts to their personal email addresses can infiltrate your internal network. So you're not just looking at ensuring that phishing attempts aren't coming into their work email address. You really are focusing on their awareness, even when using their personal um, email addresses. Um, that was kind of the few last things I did want to bring up. Thanks. So I appreciate you, uh, you know, going back through those items and, and to you and Michael both, I think really did an excellent job of kind of covering things, uh, you know, considerations for remote work environment, not only from the technical standpoint of the infrastructure you're setting up, but as well as just reiterating a lot of best practices that'll keep you working compliantly, even as everybody's out of their homes. Um, 
to our attendees, I want to remind you, you know, any questions that you may have for Michael or Kyle, feel free to submit those through either the chat function or the Q&A window. And um, while those continue to filter in, you know, Michael, you brought up a great point about just, you know, recurring interactions with your team, um, not only just to bring some levity towards everybody's daily work environment, but it is a great opportunity to, you know, reiterate best practices on uh, the security front as to how they're using their devices to kind of remain compliant, just to interact with one another. Uh, thing, um, kind of phone conference calls, and we've pivoted to more uh, direct internal video conversations just to have that extra layer of uh, communication and see each other's faces. And, um, and to that point, even just, you know, we spend so much of our time right now focused on the day-to-day -day work environment and trying to stay up on top of everything that uh, you know we're all working on, but getting even a, a dedicated time to you know connect outside of work hours and deepen that connection with your teams just to catch up on life. I like we're actually starting up this Friday a, a TMC Team Happy Hour where we'll get together after hours on Friday. Uh, you know, share our favorite beverage on a, a video call and just talk about things uh, not related to the work day to day. So, I, you know, I think that's a great suggestion uh, to teams to help avoid people kind of burning out in this, uh, you know, sudden and abrupt change to working in a remote environment. A um, couple questions I have here. First, Michael, you know, you brought up uh, great points about you know, printing paper and best practices to avoid, uh, you know, sensitive data getting out there while everybody's working at home. More of a hypothetical here, but, you know, could a lender conceivably file with the NMLS additional locations for their business operation, i.e. like staff addresses to, you know, kind of sidestep these guidelines on having, you know, any sort of paper files at home? Uh, they they could. I mean, you could move to get them licensed. The problem is that it you know it takes a little bit of time. So you know I think that's why you saw the emergency orders come about. Mm -hmm. um, you also have some states that do not uh, license home offices. So um, that's that's really the problem. If if they states that did allow home offices to be licensed or homes to be licensed or home homes to have home offices to be licensed, you wouldn't have enough time to get it done um, because it would take you whatever 30 days or what and they want people to start going home and and who knows if the people there that are, that are approving them would even be there now uh, and then those that don't allow it it would have been a you know just a, a a way to just you know couldn't do it right what would you have done you would have been out of business mm -hmm. so i think it was a way to do that quickly so you would be able to do a lot more things if you did get it licensed um but again i don't think licensing was an option uh based upon how quickly this came upon all of us Gotcha. Makes a ton of sense. Um, Kyle, a uh, question for you here. So, uh, you know, if I'm stuck where uh, Wi-Fi internet connection is my only option, any recommendations out there for, um, you know, technology pieces or uh, supplemental software that can help strengthen my Wi-Fi bandwidth? And then additionally, any recommendations on products out there for extending, you know, uh, 
personal at home Wi-Fi bandwidth if somebody's got to connect, say, out of their basement or out of an area of their home that's not central to where like the router is located? That is a great question. I've been getting that question a lot this month, um, or I guess last month. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, um, a, a few things. Uh, so uh, as I had mentioned earlier, um, you know, uh, the 2.4 gigahertz uh, Wi-Fi band is preferred, and I'll explain what that means. A lot of Wi-Fi networks come out of the box. Uh, you may notice that your Wi-Fi at home may be called, you know, my Wi-Fi, and then a second Wi-Fi connection also appears called my Wi-Fi underscore five or my Wi-Fi five gigahertz. A common misconception is that, you know, the higher the number, the better the, the network. But when it comes to video conferencing, latency is what's most important. Um, not the speed of your connection, but the actual reliability and how long it takes your laptop to talk to your router. So first and foremost, do not use your five gigahertz networks at home when using Wi-Fi. Uh, on to the next part of the question. Um, I do not recommend using Wi-Fi repeaters or extenders. They are very unreliable for the most part. Uh, I have never had great uh, experiences in offices or homes with those. But these great new mesh Wi-Fi products that have been coming out uh, from the likes of Google and Ubiquity are great options um, to really blanket your home. Um, with a strong Wi-Fi connection, again, using that 2.4 gigahertz band or the not 5 gigahertz band, rather. Um, so Ubiquity offers some really great products that I have uh, installed in homes and, and offices that, that exceed 10,000 square feet. Uh, so that's where, I would, that's where I would start there um, over a repeater or an extender. Um, and then lastly, be as close to your router as possible. If your current um, workspace is you know three rooms from your Wi-Fi router and you're experiencing some latency issues or you know internet connectivity issues, see if you can move your, your dedicated workspace to the room next to or even the room of your router and modem just so that latency is a little bit better. Um, so I, I guess long story short, do not use your five gigahertz networks. I recommend mesh Wi-Fi routers, not extenders, and be as close to your router as possible. Awesome. Thanks, Kyle. And, and you know what, to that point, um, I recently got like a Wi-Fi extender myself just in setting my wife up with uh, a home office in our basement. And while it did the intended job of, you know, extending a better feed into the basement, I definitely notice, you know, kind of a reduced bandwidth throughout the household, you know, as a result to kind of extending out that feed. Um, Another tool that I personally use, if you're ever curious and want to test the uh, level of your connection at home, there's an app called Speed Test that you can connect to your Wi-Fi signal uh, to see, you know, what I was a megabytes kind of that you're currently transmitting at, you know, in comparison to what your internet provider is advertising that your optimal speeds should be at. Um, I found that to be a great resource too. Whenever my uh, my network's running slow. A hundred percent. Another uh, in addition to speedtest.net, uh, there's also dslreports.com. That's dslreports.com, and I would suggest having a, a download speed of at least 20 Mbps megabits per second, and an upload speed of at least five, or at the absolute minimum five megabits per second. Uh, that's a great point there. And I, like I end up constantly testing mine and then uh, 
getting on the phone with my provider too as to why I'm not, uh, you know, seeing the best uh, performance I should be. And, you know, that may be worthwhile too sometimes just to check the connectivity of your router. Sometimes there can be issues with, you know, how your service provider set it up in the first place um, that may be preventing it from, uh, you know, operating at its uh, maximum capacity. Um, one other question, Kyle, I have coming in here for you, and I'll remind our attendees one last time, if you have any questions, you know, feel free to filter those through the chat and Q&A functions. Um, Kyle, have you ever seen scenarios where, you know, say home computers set up with uh, uh, antivirus or malware software, and then through like recommendation of the company and going to a remote environment, end up setting up a different um, antivirus or, or malware type software. And then with having multiple software solutions set up on your computer at the same time, they either, you know, cancel each other out or kind of work against each other. A, have you ever seen that? And B, is there any best practices you'd recommend to avoid? That's another great question. And that is absolutely correct. You should never have two real-time antivirus software running at the same time they will treat each other as viruses. And in doing so, they will constantly be monitoring one another and they will slow the computer down. When you have any sort of uh, processes running in the background with real-time anti-malware software running, they're constantly scanning those processes. And when you have two different programs with their own processes scanning your computer, they start scanning each other. So what I would recommend is if you do have an employee that is BYOD, bringing their own device, bring your own device. Um, if, you, if, if you are allowing BYOD, you may want to temporarily allow sharing your company, company licenses and installing your more robust antivirus software agents on those BYOD devices and then uninstalling them when, um, when the remote workforce is no longer uh, working from home and they, they come back into the office. Um, a lot of these, those cloud offerings I, I offered earlier from the likes of uh, Trend Micro, for example, allow you to remotely uninstall those antivirus agents on computers. So you won't, you won't even need to remote into your, your employees' personal devices to uninstall. Um, you'd be able to do it from your, your own web console. But yeah, long story short, I, you should never have two antivirus uh, programs running at the same time. And especially on any all uh, company assets, you should restrict USB mass storage devices. A lot of those offerings uh, that I mentioned earlier from the likes of Trend Micro allow you to restrict uh, people being able to, to connect their own USB drives to their own computers or to those uh, work assets and take data from uh, those computers. So having an antivirus uh, solution, only one installed, is imperative and uh, restricting USB access using that software is also something I recommend. Excellent, appreciate the advice and the feedback there. Um, at this point, I don't have any additional questions, so I wanna wrap today's discussion by reminding our attendees, first and foremost, uh, check out TMC's TMC Connect page, as well as our member calendar to view schedule of upcoming discussions that we've got. Um, Please keep sharing with us the issues you're facing with our team at TMC, and we'll keep seeking out you know, great resources of putting together discussions like these kind of centered around the, the most pressing topics that continue to impact your daily operations. 
And lastly, I want to thank uh, our discussion leaders, Michael Brown and Kyle Lerner, for sharing their invaluable insights today, um, and to each of our attendees for taking the time out to listen in. Definitely not lost on us how busy everybody is right now. So truly appreciate everybody spending some time with us today. Uh, Michael, Kyle, thank you again. And um, you know, on that note, hope everybody stays well. And uh, for more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.